The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miracles and signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. The spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. Well, we're in a sermon series, week two, under the heading of, Oh, that you would bless me indeed, Lord. Think of where we have come since the fall, from the sinking of the Titanic, if you were here then, to the streets of Somerville, Lent 2011, looking for those around us or crossing our paths who are blowing a whistle of need or hurt or yearning for something that they do not have, the Lord himself. We've been challenged now to practice knowing our God stories, if you will, so that we might use them as tools and leverage in God moments, what is called in this book, Jabez appointments that cross our, come across our lives, so that we can use these God stories to share with others as leverage and aids and tools. This is a special week for some of us. Uh, it involves all of us, whether you know about it or not, because it represents all of us. But on Wednesday evening, there will be a gathering at uh, People, Places, and Quilts, uh, Diane Frankenberger shop right downtown. We're going to meet there to uh, a group of vestry leaders and other leaders who are looking and trying to understand how we can impact, in Jesus' name, the unchurched, bar-hopping young adults of Somerville 
We believe they're out there and we believe they're lost and they're hurting. We're going to gather and pray. And then we're going to go out in teams to observe in the bars. Probably buy drinks for everybody. <laughs> Make friends in low places. That's exciting to say, we don't even know what that looks like yet. We're simply being obedient and getting out of our comfort zone. There's another group meeting on Wednesday night as well. It's a group of vestry leaders also and some others who have skills in this area to talk about social and digital communication, Facebook, Twitter, and whatever else is on their hearts and minds. But the purpose is to talk about how may these media and medium be leveraged and used for finding ones blowing the whistle as well as communicating with one another. Pretty exciting thought. It sounds like first century disciples living in a 21st century world. And of course, there's all that you're doing as well. So how did you do in week one? Did you pray the Jabez prayer? Oh, that you would bless me indeed, Lord. And enlarge my territory of influence. And that your hand, your power, your spirit would be with me. And Lord, that you would keep me from evil, that I would not cause pain. Did you pray the prayer of Jabez? Have you read the book? Doesn't take long. Somebody said yes, all right. Did you like it? Yeah, okay, good, all right, yeah. Uh, we're supposed to, we're called, we're tasked. Reading it once a week for five weeks to let those the wisdom of Scripture and the wisdom of those insights soak in and permeate our hearts. Um, have you joined the team, the St. Paul's team? Uh, that's uh, this whole team of uh, saying, yeah, I'm part of this. I, I want to be part of this. Perhaps you weren't here last week and you didn't know that there's a free book waiting for you, I guess, uh, right out right in the back this morning. If one for every household, if you can't share the book, then you can buy a second one, but one free for every household or you can, and or you can buy a second one. Buy the book. Read the instructions on the inside hardcover and you'll be right with us and getting right on board. But those of you who were here a week ago, come across any unchurched or de-churched folks? Any prayers answered? Good. Randy said yes. What's it like out there in the real world as a disciple of Jesus? Any stories to tell? I wish you'd pass them on if you have a story to tell. Could you email me or Twitter me? Better not Facebook me or Twitter me, actually, but maybe someday soon. But you could email me. Love to hear it. Do you need to do something different this week to be more effective in week two? I had one good conversation with a woman at PacMail. Um, I found out she was not unchurched or dechurched. Um, so we talked some uh, Jesus talk, and um, I thought she offered one misunderstanding of how to understand God's ways in difficult situations, and I offered a counter alternative of how to look at that, and we parted in peace. And crossing the bridge, uh, coming back from Charleston, going over I-26, there was a young man walking in the pouring rain. And so I pulled, I didn't pull over, there, there, you know, there's six lanes there and no puller, right on top of the bridge, just stopped, hoping nobody would run into the back of me and picked him up and um, thought this might be a Jabez opportunity. He was soaking, dripping wet. He only had about four more blocks to go to get to work. 
I gave him a towel to dry off, and uh, I sent him on his way to God bless you. It just didn't seem the right time. I thought I was just supposed to be Christ to him, but not start preaching to him while he was dripping wet. It didn't seem quite propitious. It's that intuitive discerning task we have as well. But I realize I have more work to do with this as well. And I'm willing to tackle this. I'm willing to do it, but it's out of my comfort zone as well. Boy. And so today we come to part two of this sermon series. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. You see the subtitle or the title of this week, the missing ingredient in most lives. Now, it may not be the missing ingredient in most of these lives, but if you would consider the whole, you know, the whole uh, circumference of Somerville, the whole you know, part of it's the missing ingredient in most people's lives. And it's the one that is uh, certainly elusive. I would call him elusive, the per- third person of the Trinity. You know, I've seen a proposed picture for God the Father, uh, I don't think he looks like a man with flowing hair and long beard. Uh, he's, he's more, certainly there's more to him than that. But I can kind of picture the creator in some fashion because I don't think of him as a gassy, as kind of cloud or anything. There's something personal about him. And certainly Jesus is a great picture of God the Father as well as he himself. But the Holy Spirit, there's a stained glass window in Rock Hill, South Carolina by an artist who tried to show the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in three stained glass uh, panels, a contemporary offering of that. And the Holy Spirit panel is something that just you just kind of look at and try to... It's light and power and dazzling colors and everything going in and going out and wonderful. I mean, it's, it's simply kind of indescribable. I believe it's fair to say that the third person of the Trinity and the one who is the missing ingredient in most of our lives... And sometimes is the missing ingredient in our life again, unfortunately, is simply elusive. I think that's the way I experience it. It's why Jesus, speaking with Nicodemus, talks about the wind. Scripture calls him wind, breath of God, Holy Spirit, and describes the third person in this elusive term. The one with dunamis, power. I think this would be a helpful recitation here to offer this morning. Uh, Simply not all, but some of the examples of how the New Testament describes this third person of the Trinity and how the intention of the third person is something available to you and to me. Acts 1, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Acts 4, With great power, the apostles continue to testify to the Lord's resurrection. Romans 15, may may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2, my message and my preaching, Paul writes, were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. 2 Corinthians 10, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. 2 Corinthians 12, but the Lord said to me, Paul writes, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul responds to that. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses 
so that Christ's power may rest on me. Ephesians 1.18, Paul prays to, for the church, the body of Christ, that we may know his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power, he says, is like the working of his mighty strengths which he exerted in rise, raising Christ from the dead. Ephesians 3, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit within you so that you may have power together with all the saints to grasp the depth and height of God's love. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Ephesians 6, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Ephesians 3, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and finally, 2 Timothy 1, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. That's just a small sampling of New Testament wisdom on this elusive third-person trinity. The Holy Spirit, the missing ingredient in most lives. He slips away from us sometimes. Terry Fulton said sometimes we get filled with the Spirit, with His power, and we leak. Um, I'm uh, just to, uh, I feel like, I felt a bit like a hypocrite this morning. They say the church is filled with hypocrites, and I suppose that's true. We say one thing and do another so often. We talk the talk, but we don't walk the walk. And uh, my hypocrisy revolves around my decision. I'm going to emphasize the I and the my because it's my weakness too is uh, that began in, oh, November, December, to lose weight by eating less. A new decision made in January to lose weight and eat less by eating less. A new decision on Lent, when Lent began, to eat less and lose weight. And now we are in the second week of Lent, and I need to make a new decision tomorrow morning <laughs> to eat less and lose weight. Hypocrite, Mike, you're preaching about what? Power. The Holy Spirit. He's there. He's available. May his strength be made perfect in your weakness. What's wrong with you, brother? I don't know. But I sure need the Spirit because willpower will not do this. It seems so simple. Eat less. So simple. My willpower ain't big enough. Lord, I need you. And by the way, if you would like more of the Spirit's power... I believe I can offer you a recipe for it that is um, almost virtually guaranteed to be effective. And it goes like this. It starts with, um, you've got to admit your need. Remember Paul in Ephesians? He's got a thorn in his flesh. He cries out to God to deliver him from the thorn in his flesh. This is the thorn in my flesh, by the way, right here. It's between my waist and my chest. At least for me, you know, it's just about 20 pounds more of that thorn than I want. And I'm, uh, it keeps on getting larger and larger. That's the scary part to me, is that it keeps on, it goes down and then up, up. And then down, up, up, up. And then down and then up, 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 up over the last 10 years. And it really is a mark of, I guess, weakness. And may his strength be made perfect in weakness. But Paul says, Lord, yeah, then may my weakness be all the more magnified. So I would offer to you, if you would like more power in your life, and I'm talking about supernatural, 
Holy Spirit, Jabez-like in that book, kind of the quality talked about there, kind of power for your life, for your personal life, as well as for this personal mission and task of this team effort we've got to accomplish, then start with humility. Lord, I need you. I can't do it. I need you. And a second piece of this, believe he is real, that he, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, not that God only is real, the Father, not that Jesus and the cross is valid and authentic. Believe in this age of science and technology and naturalism and humanism. Believe that there is a supernatural power available for those who believe in Jesus and are enabled and empowered to believe in his third person, the Holy Spirit. Believe he is, as Jesus said, he is with you and he will be in you. Let him in. And a third piece of this, you've got to give him some time. You can't say, okay, Lord, do it right now. I'm ready. I, I, you know, I finally made time for you in my day. Uh, here, here, you got 10 minutes. Do, do the power thing, Lord. <laughs> right now. It, it doesn't work that way. Do you, do you see the problem in that? Do you hear the ego in that? And this is like, okay, it's on my terms, but come on. But see, it's still, it's not the weakness thing. So um, the most effective way to give him time is um, give him time. It's very effective as the most effective way to give him time is to give him time. It's why so many individuals return from a weekend with the Lord. There's nothing magical about Camp St. Christopher or Canuga or whatever place one has gone, snail's pace or whatever. There's nothing magical about the location. It's because... One said, I'm giving the Lord some time with my life. John Scott is not here this weekend. He's in Rock Hill with a a number of individuals dealing with the grief of divorce and the grief of loss by death. And so he's there as one of the team leaders for a beginning experience weekend. I will guarantee you that there will be power manifested this weekend among those people. And that if you were to talk to them on Sunday night tonight that you would get story after story of God's power coming on their lives in one shape or one form or another. Why? Because they gave him time. Admit our need, believe he is real, give him time, and there has to be a willingness to do something you've never done before. That's also humility because you say, I I don't do that. That's control, see. You see the difference? He said, whatever you ask, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he says to Mike, many, many years ago now, he said in some fashion, Mike, I want you to raise your hands when you're worshiping me. I said, no way, Lord. (laughs) There is no way I'm going to ever raise my hands to worship you. It's too uncomfortable. It feels too self-centered. It feels I'm too self-conscious. People will be staring at me. He said, well, close your eyes then so that you won't see them staring at you. (laughs) He did. (laughs) In other words, he has an answer for every rebuttal I have. But it's something I'd never considered doing before for years and years of of my life. Wow. Something as simple as that. But for you, it may be something else, something you've never done. Never never gave the Lord a weekend, you might say. That's an interesting thought. I'll go on the women's retreat. Well, it just passed. Is there anything else coming up? I'll go to Canuga Renewal. That's coming up soon. Or maybe there's something else. I'll do that. Maybe it's a decision to read the Prayer of Jabez book. Maybe it's that decision. I've never 
I've never done what someone up front told me to do or asked me to do. I'm going to do it this time. I'm going to do the whole thing. I'm going to read the book. I'm going to say the prayer. And I'm going to pray that the Lord, I know he's not going to, but that someone across my path this week, that's unchurched or de-churched. Just, you know, because I said I'd be part of the team. And watch out. Watch out. So a willingness to do something you've never done before. And then finally, if, if all of that is beginning to work, or if it's not working, remember what Jesus says, Luke chapter 11. He says, ask, it will be given to you. You could say, ask, and he will be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. And that passage concludes, what father would not want to give you the Holy Spirit? What, what will I not give to those who ask for the Holy Spirit? I'm sorry, I've got it wrong. I've gotten flustered and twisted up here. I won't look it up in the Bible. But basically he says, ask, seek, knock. And he said, those who ask, seek, and knock, I will provide the Holy Spirit for their lives. He's saying, I will provide power for their lives. Poor Nicodemus. He's desperate. He's heard about Jesus. He knows God the Father. He doesn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. He is a religious man, though. He is a faithful, God-fearing worshiper. And he's so drawn and curious about this new teacher, he comes to uh, meet him, well, he comes at night. Because it's a little bit scary. Because he's a spiritual leader of the Jewish community. And he'd rather not be seen with this renegade rabbi named Jesus. Now, John Barr tackles that in this lovely book that we tackled ourselves last fall that John wrote, uh, some reflections on this. And I'd like to read a portion of this. Um, he, he says this, because it seems to me he's describing us. He says, Nicodemus needs what the world cannot provide. He needs the spirit, the wind, the breath. There, there is no flat foot approach. You need a new heart, not new ideas. You need to let the spirit take you far enough back and all the way down to the core where he will bring a new birth. It is so radical and thorough, it will seem like you are being born all over again. John's really helping about unpacking that thought of being born again or born from above. What about us? What about us? He's asking about us. Is this an emotional experience? Does it have to happen all at once? Can it be over a season in which we die to the old man little by little? In other words, is it process? And he quotes Eddie Gibbs, who's a professor on the West Coast at Fuller Seminary. And said, Eddie Gibbs once told me, it doesn't matter how you are born again. What matters is whether you are alive or not. John continues, do we want merely to discuss theology, share ideas, have church opinions, or are we willing to swing open the door to the hurricane of God and get blown from darkness to light? We need a mysterious birth, something like the whisper of the uncontrolled beauty blowing through the olive grove. Without it, it's as if we have never lived at all. John concludes and says, uh, this is what Jesus told Nicodemus at his crisis. What's he speaking to you? We had chances to journal a little bit in those books, and I journaled this. What came to my mind is a glorious natural picture you can see it from the beach. You can see it even better from the water. Is the Edisto Beach State Park. And if you can go down the beach and then look back towards the, the forested shore, or if you're in a boat just a little bit offshore, you will see one of the most gorgeous, 
grandest sculpted picture, I think, on planet Earth. Those trees, from the shortest to two or three stories tall, have been taken from their wild, unruly kind of growth, going this way and that way, and perfectly sculpted into shapes by the wind, blowing off the ocean, up the beach, and over these trees over many, many years. They're absolutely gorgeous, spectacular, beautiful in their own right, but with God's wind upon them, more beautiful than anything perhaps you can imagine a tree could become. All done naturally. No pruning except God's Holy Spirit pruning. And I wrote that in the book, just reminding myself that uh, I said I was Nicodemus once, still am at times. I've acknowledged that today. I said, but the wind has blown me, reshaping me like the trees and bushes on Edisto Beach State Park, sculpted me from chaos to order, from random wild growth to intertwined perfection. He's intertwined my life with your life and intertwined my life with his life to almost perfection, not me being perfect, but the relationship seems almost perfect. I call him friend, savior, Yeshua, friend, again, brother, goodness gracious. Thank you, Lord. So, brothers and sisters, it's the missing ingredient in most lives. It's the essential ingredient for most lives. And it's the one Jesus wants to give to us and to you. In this Lenten journey, as you read this book, as you make time for him, as you humbly acknowledge your need, as you're willing to believe that there is more to this Jesus stuff than just the Jesus stuff. It's Jesus and his Holy Spirit. As you make this journey as a team out there on the field of Somerville, may you receive the Holy Spirit's power for your life. Amen.